you. This is Cruise Radio Rewind. Real reviews from real cruisers. Hey, how's it going? My name is Doug Parker. Thanks for checking out this episode of Cruise Radio Rewind. We're going to talk about cruise ship dining today. Also, get some sound bites from Norwegian Cruise Line's earnings call. Some good pieces of information came out of there. I promise you it's not going to be boring. It's a look behind the curtain, what's happening in the cruise industry right now. And I picked about five or six sound bites to share with you. But first, we're going to talk about cruise ship dining. Royal Caribbean said they could be eliminating cruise ship buffets. Here to talk about it is staff writer Richard Sims. Hey, Richard. Hey, Doug. How are you? Good, man. So a couple of days ago, Royal Caribbean had their coffee talk with travel agents, and the special guest was President Michael Bailey. One of the agents asked him about cruise ship buffets once these ships start sailing again. This is what he said. I think in the beginning, there will not be a buffet in the beginning. That's how I see it. It depends, again, upon the timing. We will utilize the space. We'll u- utilize the wind jammer. But in all probability, it won't be a it won't be a classical buffet. It'll be more of it'll be something more akin to a restaurant. I mean, it had to be said. What are your thoughts? Of course, it had to be said. There are a lot of things that are going to have to be said that people aren't going to want to hear. I think that there's there's at some point we're going to have to have a conversation in which we sort of say, listen, cruising is going to be vastly different than what it was. You know, you may have to wear a mask whenever you're in, you know, public spaces. You will you probably won't have buffets and if there is a buffet, it's going to be a version of a buffet where somebody serves you. These are all things that, you know, it we don't know how long it'll last. We also don't know exactly how things will shake out. I mean, when when Bailey was talking about this, he was there, it was very clear they're still trying to figure out exactly what they're going to do with the space. But I think the the thing that's going to happen is cruisers are going to have to have sort of their come to Jesus moment where they say, do I want to do this? You know, do I want to go under these conditions or do I want to wait a couple of months or, you know, until a vaccine exists or, uh, or God willing, a cure and things go back to, you know, closer to normal for me personally. I mean, I like a buffet, but a buffet is not going to make or break my decision to go on a cruise. You know, I'm not going to say, yeah, I'm not cruising anymore until they have buffets back because that's just crazy. And plus, I kind of personally like sitting in a restaurant and being served. Yeah, I mean, it also could bring up the conversation of, well, hey, if we can't have a buffet, maybe you'll take off those room service charges. Yeah, that's, you know, that's the thing. There are so many different conversations that will have to be had. I I do think that, you know, it's not just the buffet. That's that's a big focal point because um, people keep saying, well, why would they take away a buffet? Why is the buffet so different? And it's not just the fact that uh, it's very easy to sort of cross-contaminate in a buffet, but the buffet is also sort of the wild, wild west when it comes to corralling people. You know, people just wander around and, and it's a social distancing nightmare. So it's easy to understand why if you're looking at this and you're looking at the best ways to keep your passengers safe, one of the areas you're going to definitely take a look at is the buffet. Because in the dining room, you know, you have a hostess or host who's going to seat you and can make sure, okay, we're going to leave this table empty. We're going to fill this table. In a buffet, you don't have that. You just have people like, you know, wandering around, grazing, and then going and finding their own chair. So it's it's kind of easy to see why that might be where, where when you look at the food aspect of cruising, 
big changes might have to be made. One thing this whole whatever we want to call it uh, has taught me is how fast a germ can spread. Did you see the study of using the buffet and germs on one person? I did. And, you know, and it makes sense. You know, basically what they do in the experiment is you get a group full of people and you, one of them, you spray their hands as if they have, you know, um, uh, germs, they, as if they have the, 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 the very bad germs that you don't want to spread. And then you send them all into the space that you would go into. In this case, they recreated a cruise ship buffet and, you know, let everybody do their thing. And then when it's over, you turn off the lights and you get a black light and you look to see how much the original person's germs have spread. And they're everywhere. And that makes sense, because if you think about it, say you have germs on your hand and you go in and you touch first, you pick up a plate, then you maybe scoop yourself some eggs, then you, you know, use the tongs to get yourself some bacon. Well, everybody who comes along after you is going to get some residual of that. You can, to a certain degree, um, cut that down by having people serve you. But again, I think the problem then becomes, how do you keep people social distance? Because we've all seen buffets, and nobody stays in the line, and nobody's going to stay six feet apart in that line, and they're going to jump around, and grandma's going to say, I need to go get cake, you get us some ice cream. So it's just, it's, you know, it's easy to see. And the thing that really is going to matter more than anything is once they've got all the protocols in place, once they make all the announcements, and once the cruise lines begin sailing, it's going to be so important that people follow the rules. And and that that's the thing that scares me more than anything, honestly, because people just don't like to, you know, they want to go on a cruise and they want to have a good time and they want to, you know, get drunk and go grab something out of the buffet and they want to hug their friends. And, and, and it's really not going to be possible during those first cruises. And if people aren't careful and the, you know, God forbid, you know, another ship gets infected, blah, blah, blah. That's going to be really, 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 really bad for an industry that's already struggling. So, hey, if if taking away the buffet is a way to help mitigate that and help prevent the cruise industry from going through what it went through earlier this year, take it away. You know, there's other places to eat. I'm trying to think, like, what could we see there? Would it be a Panera Bread type concept like we see on some ships? I love that. Well, you know, if you look at, it's a little bit buffet-like, but if you look on Anthem of the Seas and some of the other ships that Royal has where they have the Cafe 270, Mm -hmm. which has, you know, a variety of sandwiches and soups and salads, and they are served to you, um, I could see that being an option. But it also might just become, you know, we turn it into more like uh, the Solarium on Anthem of the Seas. The, The Solarium Bistro in the past has had You go in and there's a buffet first, and then you sit down and you order your main course. Well, you could close down the buffet portion and and use that kitchen as if it's like an open plan kitchen, almost like in steakhouses, and just have, you know, waiters serving people at tables. I think that's what you'll end up with. I do think it'll be more of a traditional situation where you have waiters and they are serving you as opposed to the free-for-all of a buffet. Yeah, you have a good point. And this next soundbite, Michael breaks it down a little bit more. The key focus on dining, for example, is making sure that guests have plenty of choice. But now that plenty of choice has to be put through the lens of distancing and safety and health, et cetera, in a more acute way. So I think there'll be changes for sure. And I think maybe the word buffet will diminish 
and we'll replace it with a new concept. So basically he's saying exactly what we've been talking about is they will have some form of dining. And he's right. You know, cruisers have really gotten to, uh, they've come to expect choice. I think right now, anybody's first reaction when you say you're taking something away, no matter what it is, is to protest it. You know, but I love the buffet. You know, they, they could have said we're taking away germs and people would be like, no, but I love germs because that's just human nature. That's what you do. But if once you get on that ship, you're like, oh, you know what? There's plenty of places for me to eat and it's not going to be a big deal. Yes, there will still be people who will miss the buffet, obviously, especially moms who really want to feed their kids quickly. But I, I think it's just such a small sacrifice to make in order to keep everybody you know, happy, safe and cruising. And speaking of protesting, so I went to Outback Steakhouse with my dad the other night and very, you know, only 25% of the restaurant can be occupied. They had paper menus, etc. Well, the woman two seats behind us, she goes, paper menus, Ugh, how many trees had to die for this? I'm thinking, okay, so... You could have a plastic menu and potentially spread the COVID or whatever, or you could have a paper menu, not spread it, but still piss someone off because they don't want to see a tree killed. That's the thing that, like I said, this is going to be the biggest challenge that both cruising and cruisers face is their ability and their willingness to adjust to changes. You know, um, the the scary thing is people thinking Everything's just going to go back to normal. And, you know, God willing, it will eventually, but that's not going to happen right now. And if we want to cruise and if we want to be able to, you know, if we want to have nice things, then we have to be willing to make some changes to our behavior. It might be for the short term. It might be for the long term, but it's what has to be done if we want to, you know, go back to sea. And I don't know about you, but I know I definitely want to get on a ship. You know, I think if someone gets caught violating moving forward, and I wish they did this before, they should be disembarked at the next port of call. I mean, how many times do you have to use your hands to separate the pizza or to grab cookies or fried chicken out of the buffet? Like, come on. I mean, I don't know about you. I'm a pretty laid back person until you start pulling that crap at the buffet. Doug, have we met? Of course, I'm as vocal as you. <laughs> you know, the, the the weird thing about it is that... Yes, I have that exact same reaction. And I think the vast majority of people do. The thing that also, you know, kind of has me thinking here is as we make these changes, the cruise ship crew is suddenly going to be kind of almost turned into police in certain aspects, you know, because they are the ones who are going to have to really be monitoring and making sure people don't do bad things. I remember, uh, I guess it was last year, late last year, Carnival put in place their new policy about shirts. And they were like, you know, you can't have a bad shirt on. If somebody has a shirt on it that says something offensive, you know, let us know. We're going to take care of it. And at the time, everybody was like, well, who's going to, you know, who's going to take care of that? Who's going to police that? Is like, you know, my cocktail waitress going to come over and say, you have to go back to your room and change your clothes. We're going to weirdly have that same thing, except on a much larger scale, because there are going to be so many things that will have to be policed once all of the various new protocols are put in place. And it's not necessarily, yes, there are some people who are just pigs and will just do it. You know, they'll just mm -hmm. be like, I'm going to reach into that cookie jar. There are other people who do things not even intending to. It's just, you know, you've spent all your life doing it this way. And suddenly somebody, you have to get in your head, oh, right, I have to do something different. And those things, somebody is going to have to be in charge of sort of monitoring and policing and reminding people, uh-uh, you know, nope, can't do that.
Well, we still don't know what the protocols are going to be, but we will be talking about it every step of the way. Cruise Radio staff writer Richard Sims, always a pleasure, my friend. Glad to be here. Since we spoke on Thursday, Norwegian Cruise Line Holdings, that's the parent company of NCL, the company released their first quarter earnings report, and then a couple hours later, they had their first quarter earnings call. And in case you're not familiar, I don't want to insult anyone's intelligence, but I'm doing this for my own good as well. Uh, The earnings report is a financial update for the first quarter of the year. That's basically what NCLH released. Also, the earnings call, it sheds light onto the report. As you can imagine from what's transpired over the past couple of months, it wasn't a very positive earnings report, showed some serious losses. However, during the call, both the CEO, which is Frank Del Rio, and the CFO, which is Mark Kempa, they were both able to shine some light as to what's going on inside the company as they are trying to move forward and get their ships relaunched. So on Thursday morning, when I was on the call, I pulled a few sound bites from the earnings call just to give some context as to actually what's happening in the NCL camp right now. And I know you may be thinking, oh my gosh, it's financial talk. It's going to be so boring. But a lot of this is actually interesting, not only from an industry standpoint and kind of behind the curtain, but what's going to be happening moving forward as these cruise lines, Norwegian cruise line in particular, as they get up and start going again. So of course, everyone is at the mercy of the Centers for Disease Control. They slapped that no sale order uh, back in March on the cruise ships, and then they extended it back in April, 100 days expiring in July. So at the end of the day, the cruise lines have to satisfy the CDC, as Frank Del Rio says here, play soundbite two. First things first, uh, the, the, the number one gating uh, consideration today is to get the CDC to lift the no-sale order. That's job one. Can't go very far without that. Frank brought up the obvious here because they need the CDC signature before they can do anything. But not only that, they need the signature from the ports of call saying, hey, we'll accept you. We've seen how Jamaica and Grand Cayman acted Early on, before this happened, say what you will, they were probably just protecting their citizens because we really didn't know much about what was happening. Um, I guess that's an argument for a different day, though. But without the sign-off from the ports and the CDC, um, they could just be limited to going to Harvest Key, which is their island off the coast of Belize, or just going to Great Stirrup Key, both beautiful places. But if you're just sailing to, let's just say, two private islands that the cruise line has, you're putting limitations in place and people who may or may not want to just do that. For me, put me on a ship and I'm happy, but the person next to me might really be looking forward to St. Martin. And if they're not open, they might not book the cruise until St. Martin is open. And you can say what you want to about cruise line CEOs. I mean, a lot of them are heavily compensated. I mean, what, Richard Fain at Royal Caribbean made $14 million last year. Arnold Donald at Carnival made $11 million. And Norwegian CEO brought home $17.8 million. However, you know, you look at these like, oh my gosh, that's a lot of money. But a lot of these were also stock options. And uh, if you, they didn't cash those stock options in at the end of 2019, they're pretty, you know not sitting so pretty right now because they're all across the board. The stocks are pretty much worthless. But all that to say, it really resonated and really instilled some confidence when I heard Frank Del Rio say this in soundbite number three. I want to do everything humanly possible within the bounds of what technology offers us today to be able to 
look my own family in the eye and say, you are safe to go on board our cruise ships. And until we do that, respective of what the CDC or anybody else might say, we're not going to operate. Which brings us to returning to service. Now, Carnival said they're doing a phased-in approach, which is starting August 1st tentatively with eight ships out of Galveston, Miami, and Port Canaveral, and then slowly rolling out the next ship's Months after that, I think a majority of them happening in September. As you'll hear in Soundbite 4, Norwegian's brands are doing the same thing. The return to service of a phased approach of roughly five vessels per month is what we believe we operationally could handle in terms of bringing back the ship from cold layup, including recruiting the vessels, etc., and so that, given that we have 28 vessels, if you bring back an average of, you know, five vessels a month, it's going to take about six months to get all ships back operating. He mentioned a cold layup. So there's a cold layup and a warm layup. So a cold layup means that all the staff, aside from the essential employees, the deck department, the navigation department, and so on, everyone else has gone home. The ship is docked. It's just cold laying there. Also, though, not taking fuel. So it's reducing fuel expenses there. And of course, salaries and everything else because people aren't on board. A warm layup is just reduced crew. So there's still crew and staffing on board, and it can return to service a lot quicker in a matter of a week or two against a cold layup, which will take time to ramp up. And if you're curious, the cost between the two for a cold layup, it costs $2.5 million per ship and a warm layup is $3.9 million. One of the financial analysts on the call asked Frank if the consumer demand was there, could he ramp up even quicker? So the six month ramp up assumes more than anything else, our operational capability to, to ramp up and that the ports are open. It has nothing to do with consumer demand. Another question that one of the financial analysts brought up is, are people going to want to fly to your ships? For the ocean and region brand, their number one itinerary in terms of demand for Q1, early Q2, is Japan. It's Dubai, several of the, um, the world cruise segments. So therefore, you, you have to fly there. This notion that people aren't going to want to cruise to faraway places or exotic destinations, um, what we're seeing uh, is defying that. It doesn't take but a couple of seconds on any airline website to see how cheap airfare is, especially moving forward over the next 12 months or so. And Norwegian is known for their free at sea perks where you get to pick different perks with whatever stateroom you book. And airfare is sometimes one of those perks. So it was asked if we're going to see more airfare deals. We definitely believe that airfares. Uh, in the near to, you know, in the next six to 12 months will be lower than usual. So it'll be a um, tailwind to cost. And we'll look to do more and more promotions, including air on itineraries that, uh, that require that. I didn't mention this, but a few moments ago, Frank was talking about how the brands have 28 ships. Well, in this case, having fewer ships is actually better, as Frank explains in Soundbite 11. I've been telling uh, folks that I usually don't say is that I'm glad I only have 28 ships. Uh, usually I want more ships. That's why we have nine vessels on order, because uh, when you have what you have and they're all full and you're making lots of money with them, you, you want more vessels. But in this environment, I'm glad I have less vessels. You know, in a world where Carnival Corporation is burning through close to a billion dollars a month with 100 ships and Royal Caribbean at 400 million, having 28 ships isn't necessarily a bad thing right now, especially in a zero revenue environment.
and turning the tables because we know that Norwegian, along with Carnival and Royal Caribbean, they all secured a lot of money to, uh, you know, some cash infusion and liquidity and all that to keep going. But at the end of the day, a company has to make money to keep the shareholders happy. When are we going to see that? CFO Mark Kempa explains. While we are now in the process of obviously uh, refunding quite a, quite a few customers uh, their their advanced uh, bookings, we believe that in the uh, you know the next uh, thirty to sixty days we are going to be you know working capital positive as a result of the new and existing cash that's coming in from those bookings. So it sounds like over the next sixty to ninety days, all those refunds will be returned and issued, and things will be semi back to normal as far as positive cash flow. So all the best to Norwegian and all the cruise lines out there. I realize they all got these huge injections, billions of cash, and have freed up liquidity. But it's got to be tough as hell trying to stay afloat this day and age when you have that many vessels. I mean, you can only put up so many ships for collateral before they deny you something, right? If you'd like to see a full recap of the earnings call, you can check that out at cruiseradio.net. If you want to drop me a line or a voice memo, Doug at cruiseradio.net. I know I always say it, but I'm very grateful that you're making Cruise Radio a part of your day. Take care of yourself and your neighbors. We'll talk to you on Thursday. Take care. During these difficult times for the travel industry, Cruise Radio stands behind the men and women who work so hard to bring our vacation dreams to life. From the captains and crew to travel agents, tour operators, Vendors and port employees, we offer a sincere thank you on behalf of the thousands of guests whose lives you impact each and every day. 